2 Corinthians 8 in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 8. And we've made a visual for you to help you out on these five missions, actions that we see here in the context of 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, the first one that we preached on Sunday morning was that we should surrender uh, to give yourself to God as Paul challenged the uh, Corinthian church using the example of the Macedonian church, how that in a great trial of affliction, in deep poverty, they gave themselves to the Lord first and then also gave uh, to the ministry, gave uh, beyond their power. Uh, we talked about uh, last night the purposing in your heart. Preach the message on the heart and how your heart can be made willing uh, to serve God. And that purposing in your heart is in Second Corinthians 9 and verses 6 and 7. And uh, tonight I want to talk about performing. Uh, not, not that uh, the, the uh, not not so much in the, uh, the connotation that we use it today uh, where it, uh, someone stands up and does a performance or a sporting activity as a performance, but it's, it's simply a, a word that tells us that now that we have surrendered and, and purposed, we actually need to do what we have set out to do. Uh, it, it is... Uh, it is a wonderful thing to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. It's a wonderful thing to say, all right, I'm going to get involved in missions. I'm going to have a purpose. I'm going to actually uh, get my heart ready to serve God. But then you actually need to do it. Uh, the, 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 the Bible places much emphasis on action. Uh, it is not enough to just desire. You need to do it. It's not enough to just dream about it. You need to do it. Uh, Joseph was a dreamer, yes, but he was a servant also. Uh, he served. Uh, and it is not enough just to talk about it. We need to, uh, not only uh, in, in our words, but in our deeds also, serve the Lord. We actually need to perform it. Uh, tomorrow night we'll talk about abounding or growing uh, in this thing of getting involved in missions praying and, and, and going and giving. But uh, to uh, illustrate or to drive home this point of performing the doing of it, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9. And in Matthew chapter 9, should be a familiar passage of scripture, but I'm going to show you how uh, this passage has been uh, a, a unique reminder in our lives as long as, as I've been in the ministry. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35, the Bible says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I, uh, in two years of deputation, 24 months, we were in 211 meetings in 193 churches. Uh, 55 of those meetings were missions conferences uh, where I either presented or was just a part of it. Uh, since that time, I'm sure that I've been a part of at least another 60 or 70 more missions conferences. Uh, our church, Truth Baptist Church, and the second church that I'm, uh, our family is a part of, Grace and Glory Baptist, uh, we've actually hosted uh, seven missions conferences in Truth Baptist Church and another three in Grace and Glory Baptist where uh, our people are, uh, have, uh, have determined to give above their tithes and offerings uh, to support missions works inside the country of Nigeria. Uh, we even have a Nigerian man that's a missionary in Ghana uh, that we help to support. Uh, there are printing ministries in Nigeria. There are orphanages and, of course, new church plants that our, our church is helping to support at one time. Truth Baptist Church uh, in a third world nation was giving $300 a month uh, to missions. And uh, we don't believe that missions should stop on the mission field. Uh, we, we believe that uh, we have been preaching to our people to give to missions, to give above themselves. But I tell you, in every missions conference, this passage of scripture is either quoted from or it's the theme of the meeting or someone preaches from it. But I want to show you tonight how it has uh, been a, how it has remained fresh in my life and in my heart. Uh, first of all, the thing that you, you should notice here is that this is a teaching on prayer. In Matthew 9 and verse 38, the Bible says, Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And, boy, I love teachings on prayer in the Scripture. Uh, we're, we're taught uh, uh, how to pray. Uh, the, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the, the Lord gave uh, the, the disciples that model prayer. Uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, uh, we're taught how to pray. We're taught uh, what things we are specific, uh, specifically to ask for. Uh, we're to ask for the Spirit's power in Luke eleven thirteen. We're to ask for good things in Matthew seven eleven. We're to ask for wisdom in James one five. But it's amazing how many times the Bible actually has to remind us simply to pray. Uh, that uh, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Uh, in, in all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Matthew twenty one and verse twenty two. It's amazing how many times. The Bible has to simply remind us to ask, to pray. Uh, but I want to show you tonight how this passage on prayer is very unique to other teachings dealing with the same subject. Uh, looking at this uh, context, Jesus had been teaching and preaching and healing in Galilee. And the, 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 the multitudes, he, he looked upon them and he had compassion on them. Uh, he saw them as sheep scattered abroad, having no shepherd. I remember early on in my ministry when we first started a church. Uh, we started Truth Baptist Church in, in May of 2006. In June of 2007, we traveled for the birth of our third child. And boy, I was nervous. I had a 13-month-old church, and I was about to leave it for four months. 
for the birth of our third child. And I tell you, I was, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, thankfully, there was still another missionary in the country, and he sent preachers our way. And uh, we had probably about 12 or 13 different men uh, that filled the pulpit uh, while I was gone. And uh, now it is to the point that I think our church runs better when I'm not there. Amen. Uh, it, it's it's an amazing thing. It's humbling when you see that uh, we we have uh, we have men trained to do virtually every aspect of the church. And uh, I tell you, sometimes I feel like a guest preacher in, my, in the church that I started. And because uh, so many of our men are handling different aspects of the church. But uh, uh, in, this, in this passage, I think the Lord was reminded that he would not be on the earth very long. Uh, and I think he looked on the, when he looked upon the multitudes, I believe he was looking and seeing who uh, and imagining who would come behind him and and preach to the multitudes as he had who would come behind him and and, and minister to the people as he had who would come behind him and and teach to the multitudes as he had and, and you know the, the Lord Jesus only had a little over three years of his uh, of ministry on the earth and as he gathers his disciples together and begins to teach them uh, i think he's reminded again that he would not have very long on the earth and so uh he he teaches the disciples this this very short lesson with a heart full of compassion maybe even with a tear in his eye as he said first of all the harvest truly is plenteous the harvest truly is plenteous now it's if you if you do any uh, historical uh, search or historical study, it's interesting to note that when Jesus made this statement uh, that the harvest truly is plenteous, 2,000 years ago, there was less than 250 million people on the entire earth when Jesus said the harvest truly is plenteous. Less than one quarter of a billion people on the entire earth at that time. There's more people than that just in America today. Are you listening? Uh, we, well, there's 330, 350 million people just in the U.S. today. Uh, Nigeria is quickly approaching 230 million people. Uh, Nigeria is projected by 2050 to be the fourth most populated country in the world. Uh, we are projected to have nearly a billion people just in Nigeria uh, and uh, it would just be behind China and India and potentially Pakistan. But the, the thing is that uh, there's over a billion people uh, just in China, over a billion people just in India. There's over a billion people on the continent of Africa. Uh, when Jesus made that statement, the harvest truly is plenteous, uh, there are now 30 times the number of people on the planet than there was when Jesus said the harvest was plenteous. If the harvest was plenteous then, how much more so today? How much more so today uh, with uh, so many? We have, we have probably uh, 15 countries that, have, uh, over to, uh, that, that are approaching that 250 million threshold and, and, are, and are growing and growing and growing. Uh, over 8 billion, uh, nearly 8 billion people uh, on the entire planet today. If the harvest truly was plenteous then, how much more so today? 
as he was looking on the multitudes and, and, and having compassion on them and, and seeing them as sheep scattered abroad, what would he do today if he were in our midst and gathering us together and saying, listen, uh, I said it 2,000 years ago, it is more true today than it's ever been. Population is not going down. It continues to multiply and multiply and multiply. But sadly, just as true as the harvest truly is plenteous, the second statement that he made is also just as true today, that the laborers are few. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. When we were on deputation going to Nigeria, I was in touch with uh, 11 different independent Baptist missionaries in Nigeria. Pretty much in the first three years that we were there, we saw seven of those families leave the field. Uh, Different reasons, uh, plenty of different reasons. But we watched the laborers get smaller and smaller and smaller. And thank God for uh, wonderful uh, Nigerian men uh, that are pastoring and serving good works throughout the country. But talking about uh, uh, our sending capacity in, in America, it seems like the laborers are getting fewer and fewer. And it, it's, it's epidemic throughout the world. But uh, what, about, what about in this, this church here? The harvest truly is plenteous, uh, but the laborers are few. Hey, would the God that uh, everybody that's here tonight or everybody that was uh, here on Sunday morning, would the God that that would also be the labor force of White Oak Baptist Church? Amen. Uh, Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody that came for an international supper also came on Saturdays? Hallelujah. Uh, We've got an eating force. Amen. (laughs) We need a labor force. Uh, We we, we need laborers. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Uh, Would to God that uh, everybody that comes and hears the message would also become laborers. I know it's not possible for everybody to come out at a certain time every week for soul winning, but uh, uh, it would be wonderful if everybody under the sound of my voice would be laboring for souls in some way every week. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then he says this, he gathers them together and what made this next part of Jesus' teaching real to me is I, I imagine what would, what, what would happen if Jesus were to walk into our prayer meeting. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, you take prayer requests or you give out prayer requests on, on Wednesday nights. I don't know if you take prayer requests from the floor. Uh, anybody that takes prayer requests from the floor, that, that, that makes a pastor nervous sometimes. Amen. Uh, <laughs> we, we've had some strange prayer requests given from the floor. I've had someone stand up and tell about their dream for 20 minutes. And uh, anytime something like that happens, our people start staring at me because they know I'm getting embarrassed and I'm about to turn red. Amen. Uh, but... Uh, uh, we, uh, when you when you take prayer requests from the floor, somebody will uh, pray for a, a lost loved one, or uh, maybe someone has a relative in the hospital, or uh, someone's praying for a recent visitor in the church. I began to imagine what would happen if Jesus walked into our prayer meeting. 
What would happen if Jesus walked in and sat amongst us and heard the different prayer requests that were given? And what would happen if he raised his hand and he gave a prayer request? It's really not a mystery of what it would be. I believe if Jesus raised his hand in our prayer meeting and gave a prayer request, it would be word for word, Matthew 9, 38. And he would say, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You see, this is not just another generic teaching on prayer. This is not just another place where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. I believe this is the only place where you can see in the Gospels that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gives us his prayer request. He tells us what would be at the top of his prayer list. He tells us what should be at the top of our prayer list. And it is praying for laborers. And uh, here, Jesus, as he has the disciples gathered together, after he looked upon the multitudes and he saw them uh, as sheep scattered abroad, having no shepherd, he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, the laborers are few. And then he gives the disciples a prayer request. And it's truly the only time that you see Jesus giving a prayer request uh, throughout the New Testament. And you see, if, if every person here would take the prayer request of Jesus Christ and make it your own prayer request, I believe it would affect all three persons involved in this teaching. In this context, we see that, of course, uh, Jesus is the one doing the speaking. Uh, he is speaking about uh, the Heavenly Father. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest. And, and he's speaking to the disciples. That's you and me. And if we would make the prayer request of Jesus Christ our prayer request, it would affect each person involved. I believe, first of all, if we took Jesus' prayer request and made it our prayer request, it would, first of all, give the Heavenly Father allowance. Now, I, I tremble at what word to use here because I don't want to get into a debate over what God is uh, going to do and what he's waiting for us to do. But it seems like to me that if we would pray for laborers, there would be more laborers in the harvest. That just seems like the simple equation that's given in this context. And yet the laborers still continue to be few. And I wonder whose fault that is. Is it God's fault? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ's fault? It's our fault. You see, praying for laborers, uh, it, it, look, the, 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 the Heavenly Father, He is the Lord of the harvest. Don't you think He wants more laborers in His harvest? But He's waiting for us to get serious about praying for laborers. And it's like that about so many other things in the Christian life. Uh, my, uh, my, one of my favorite studies is, is prayer promises in the Bible. My favorite prayer promise is James 1.5. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. Give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Love that verse. I love the qualifier. If any of you like wisdom. Anybody perfect in all wisdom here? Amen. Anybody want to testify? I'll give you the pulpit. Amen. Uh, but uh, uh, we all know that we lack wisdom. But how many times do we go through a full day or we take a decision or we go through some dilemma and we never ask for wisdom? And he says he gives it 
liberally, and he upbraideth not. That word, that, that phrase, upbraiding not, is, is that God will never rebuke you for asking for wisdom. You'll never look up to God and say, God, I need wisdom, and say, why are you asking for that? He knows. He knows that we lack wisdom. But so many times we fail to ask. And, and, uh, and it's that way in the Christian life. And it's that way with this prayer request. Hey, uh, praying for laborers gives God the opening, the liberty to do what he already wants to do. It opens the floodgates. It throws open the door. It fulfills the requirement for God to send more laborers. He's just waiting for us to ask. Praying for laborers gives the Heavenly Father allowance. The simple fact is, you have not because ye ask not. I talk with pastors all the time. God's given me the privilege to be a pastor to pastors in Nigeria. So many times, pastors are asking, uh, Lord, uh, uh, Pastor, we, we need more laborers. We need more workers. We need more servants. And my first thing is, have you prayed? Have you prayed specifically? Praying for laborers gives the Heavenly Father allowance. Secondly, praying for laborers gives the disciples awareness. We said that uh, uh, the three people involved as the Lord of the harvest and then the disciples and the Lord Jesus Christ. was Praying for laborers will make you aware of the plenteous harvest around, around you. I think that's one of the reasons why we don't want to pray for laborers. Because we're afraid of the burden and we're afraid of the way that God is going to use us to witness to those around us. You see, when you start praying for laborers in Africa, you start praying for laborers in South America, and you start praying for laborers in Australia, and you start praying for laborers in Europe and Australia, uh, God's going to wake you up and show you the plenteous harvest that's right here around you in Stratford, Connecticut. There's, there's very few churches that I've been in where I can say, you can reach the world right here. And it's actually happening. You've got representatives from all different spots of the world right here. And when you start praying for laborers in different spots of the world, uh, God is going to tell you, hey, you've got a plenteous harvest right here around you. He's going to give you a burden for your co-laborer at work. He's going to give you a burden for that gas station attendant. He's going to give you a burden for that grocery store clerk. He's going to give you a burden for that fellow student uh, in whatever school you're going to. He's going to give you a burden for your next door neighbor. He will not let you sit still. I think that's why sometimes we refuse to pray for laborers. Because we're afraid of what God might do in our hearts. When you start praying for laborers, there's only two things that will happen. Either you'll become a laborer or you'll stop praying. That's the only thing that can happen. You start praying for every day of your life, He will show you the plenteous harvest all around you. I said praying for laborers, number one, gives the Heavenly Father allowance. Secondly, it gives the disciples awareness. And then thirdly, praying for laborers gives the Savior his answer. Reason with me for a moment. If, if this truly is the prayer request of Jesus Christ, and I believe it is, 
and, and if you started praying for laborers and God started sending forth more laborers and one of those laborers just happened to be you, guess what you would become? You'd become an answer to the prayer request of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I like answers to prayer. I, I, I love it. I, 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 well, I could stand up here and talk for hours. Just recently, we, we uh, put a, a second floor uh, on the dormitory building of our Bible college. Um, we bought, uh, the, the church property that we bought was designed to be a hotel uh, now, don't worry, I, 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 I'm not Mr. Hilton here, okay, or anything like that. But we, we bought a place that had 20 hotel rooms already in the plan. They had already done uh, the, the foundation and the block work. They hadn't done any of the roofing or the electrical or the plumbing or uh, the floors or anything like that. But when we bought it, it was basically a shell. And, man, it was perfect for a Bible college. I already knew the Lord wanted us to start a Bible college, and we had a dormitory immediately. And we started working on that thing. Well, it was designed for a second floor. And we, we put uh, the 20 rooms together and put doors and windows, and we put some temporary roofing on those 20 rooms because the second floor hadn't been done, the foundation or anything hadn't been done on the second uh, the decking, and uh, put temporary roofing on when we started the college. That temporary roofing was 15 years ago. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and, and finally, for the last seven, eight years, I've been trying to raise money for that second floor, and nobody, nothing was coming in. And finally, a ministry uh, started uh, giving something where I could put it in our prayer letter, and the floodgates opened. I mean, churches started giving, and already just in the last uh, two months, we started having class in the new second floor of our dormitory building. An answer to prayer. Every time I walk, every time I go up those steps and go up to the second floor, I, it's, it just it gives me chills. I don't know when it, that's, that's going to fade away. I hope it never does. But I get goosebumps every time I walk up there. And I might die of a heart attack. You never know. Because I just get excited every time I walk up there. Maybe I need to stop doing it. But, uh, uh, but I, I just see that the, the Lord has answered our prayers. I love answers to prayer. You know what's just as wonderful as getting an answer to prayer? is being an answer to prayer. Those of you that are soul winners, you know what it you know what it's like. You give someone the gospel and you talk to them about the simplicity of salvation and you get to the end and you hardly have to do anything because already the tears are coming down their face. And 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 they'll say, you know, I've been praying and asking God to send me somebody that could explain the Bible to me. I've been praying and asking God to send me somebody who could let me know how I could be saved. And God sent you. There's nothing like that. Being an answer to prayer. Every time that we have a prayer meeting on, we do it on Thursday nights at our church, and we'll take prayer requests. And then we have a time for testimonies also. Because uh, prayer requests sometimes can be a, 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 a little bit of a downer. Uh, well, we have time for testimonies. Every time we have time for, for testimonies, I have a deacon in my church that stands up and he says, I, I want to thank God for sending Pastor Mark. 
Because if God sent Pastor Mark to Nigeria for anybody, he sent Pastor Mark to Nigeria for me. Whew. That does something for me. I don't know if I have to have that to stay on the field, but it, it sure is nice. I'm telling you that, hey, when, when you begin praying for laborers and God works on your heart to reach someone else and to labor for the gospel and to, uh, to, to uh, labor for, uh, the, for missions, when you respond to that, then you can become an answer to the prayer requests of Jesus Christ. Every time you give out a track, every time you preach the gospel, every time you proclaim liberty to the captives, every time you bring some to the church. Hey, listen to me. You are laboring for the Lord Jesus Christ and you're becoming an answer to His prayer request. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be an answer to prayer. Perform the doing of it. You see, when we start praying, God's going to show us something we can do for this thing of missions. And it's time we determine, first of all, to pray and then get ready to do. Would you bow your heads, please? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just want to challenge you with with just two things. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just two things right here. First of all, how many of you would say, if praying for laborers is that important to Jesus... I'm going to make it that important to me. I'm going to pray for laborers every day of my life. Would you raise your hand and let me see it? Amen. Hands all over the room. God bless you. How many of you here tonight would say, Pastor, uh, pray for me. I need to become a laborer. I'm not laboring for God like I ought to. I need to become a laborer. Would you pray for me? Several hands. God bless you. Father, thank you so much for the hearts of those in here. And Lord, thank you for the uplifted hands. But Lord, may it be decisions made in the heart. Seal these decisions in us. Lord, remind us to pray for laborers. And then Lord, prepare us to be a laborer for you. Right here. Right here. And what we do here will impact all over the world.